Welcome to the Very Good Real Estate Podcast with your host, Derwin Kinston. Think real estate is only for the rich? Think again. Don't know diddly squat about real estate? Even better. Not in line to receive a trust fund? Neither did our guests. Sounds like this podcast is for you. We interview guests that started out just like you. Come learn, build, and grow with the Very Good Real Estate Podcast. We are in luck on the Very Good Real Estate Podcast. I got my main man, my guy, my coworker, my colleague, the man who lives in the big state of Pennsylvania. I've got the finest bureaucrat of them all, <laughs> Martin Blow. Thank you so much for joining me on my uh, on my fancy podcast. Hey, absolutely. I appreciate you for having me. I'm looking forward to a good conversation. Listen, I'm probably more excited. So we met uh, probably in the middle of 2023. And, you know, I was really excited when we met because I was telling you that, you know, I'm a lover of old buildings and a lover of real estate. And you're like, Derwin, I do real estate. And then, I mean, granted, yeah, we have the same job. So we were bonding over our, you know, our careers as, you know, um, civil servants, obviously, our love of the American people. But um, <laughs> when you told me you love, you know, you also, you and your wife did, did real estate, I was intrigued. And when I started this podcast, I said, I have to have Mr. Blow on the Very Good Real Estate Podcast. So we're going to start off with the first question. Can you just tell me your background? Just tell me about your education and kind of go, and then we'll, I'll ask another question from there. All right. Sounds good. So background, um, uh, went to school at the illustrious uh, North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, loved it so much. I spent seven years there. So uh, it's got three different degree degrees, electrical engineering, computer engineering, and then a master in computer science. Dabbled in that for a little bit, working for the government financial role and I fell in love with finances and um, making sure money goes to where it's supposed to go to. So I no longer uh, practice engineering or cyber and I'm more of a finance guy. So that's my educational background. Wow. So how did you grow up? How did you learn about real estate? Did your parents sit you down and say, Martin, let me tell you about real estate. Like, how did that, how did that happen? <laughs> that is a fantastic question. As long as I can remember, which is, you know, elementary school, middle school, my dad uh, was from a pretty small town in North Carolina. He owned rental properties and he was a do-it-yourself kind of guy. So he was going every month to collect rent from 10 different properties uh, scattered around that our small town. And again, as long as I can remember, I was helping him, you know, paint walls and replace doors and replace toilets. So that was my exposure to the real estate. And that wasn't really the glamorous side. It was like, and I'm just doing a couple of my, <laughs> my father. But as I got older and was listening to other podcasts, reading books, um, such as uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I learned the importance of our real estate and building generational wealth. Did you guys grow up wealthy? Did you guys grow up middle class? Like, how did you guys grow up? We grew up middle class, um, and we were in from you know a farm country, so most folks were you know at or below the poverty line. So uh, growing up middle class was definitely on the upper end. I never really had to 
be afraid of not being able to go on a school trip or anything. Um, I wouldn't mm-hmm. say we were wealthy, but um, grew up without having any concerns or anything like that. So I, I was definitely lucky. So after your dad, you know, showed you kind of, I guess, some of the ropes in terms of um, painting and fixing things inside the house, did he actually go over how to purchase the house? Did he go over, hey, this is how financing works or anything like that? Or did he say, hey, son, this is how you paint a wall? <laughs> it was more of the nuts and bones of the day to day, and it was it was less so from a teaching standpoint. Like he would show me how to do it, but not so I can go out on my own and do it. Just so that I could you know be extra pair of hands for him. Um, at least at first, as I got older in college and high school, then he would have financial seminars and would ask to you know look at our finances and make sure we were on track to you know, yeah not not be in the poorhouse. I guess. And, <laughs> um, but I mean, again, he's the one that pushed us on. He had us reading books, the Wealthy Barber, kind of the richest man in Babylon, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So um, that's how he helped us out with our finances and making sure we knew what we we're getting into. So when it, when did you realize, hey, I want to get into real estate? Were you an undergrad? Were you in high school? Were you, I mean, what degree were you on out of your 10? What degree <laughs> were you on when you said, oh, I want to buy real estate? That's a great question. I knew I wanted to get into real estate around the time of grad school. At that time, though, you know, I had barely had a stipend to uh, while I was in grad school, and then I really went into the D.C. area working for the government and seeing those prices of Washington, D.C., a great metropolis. I was like, I'm not yeah. going to be able to get into real estate unless <laughs> I move back to North Carolina. So I knew I wanted to, but I didn't see it being feasible at that time um, for my first couple of years. So it wasn't until probably my third year as a working professional that I was able to realize that you, know, you don't need uh, $50,000 or $100,000 to get started. So it's funny you say that. I think there is this misconception about real estate that oh i gotta make three hundred thousand dollars to buy a house and reality is and you kind of hinted on this is if you live in an expensive city then move (laughs) you're not a tree you can move (laughs) right your livelihood is not i mean there are some very specific careers that might be only in a particular city but most careers are not contingent on you being in washington dc or new york city or los angeles i mean you know my wife and I, uh, you know, our, our, our beloved employer had placed me in uh, Los Angeles and, you know, I already had nine houses, but I said, I can't even afford to pay rent out here. I was paying $3,000 a month and because I'm not a tree, I moved. And you know what? Life is a lot more affordable. So I, I absolutely appreciate that. So what was your, so by then, are you are you married? Did you buy your first house when you while you were married, or was this while you were a singular bachelor running, roaming the streets of of DC or et cetera? So I've been dating my well, my now wife. We were dating since uh, since I was in grad school, but you know she went mm-hmm. abroad and got a degree in Ireland. Uh, oh and wow! Then went straight into a PhD program, so we were long distance for a long time. Our first house was our the home that we live in now in Pennsylvania. So we we bought that the same. Actually, the month after we got married, we closed on this house that, that I'm in right now. And then I think a year. What year was that? We got married in 2019. You put me on the spot, Darwin. I did. <laughs> I'm sending this to your wife and saying, hey, your husband doesn't remember. <laughs> we got married 2019, right before the pandemic. Wow. So when you guys, because you kind of, 
Because you guys kind of got, I guess, finished your degrees a few years prior. Correct. Actually, she got her PhD that same year that we got married. So she, gotcha. she, wanted, so, she wanted to be Mr. and Doctor, so we waited until <laughs> she graduated and our cake said Mr. and Doctor and she earned it. I'm absolutely here for that in every single way. So here's my question. With you being kind of early in your career, sort of, you know, getting out of grad school just a few years into your career and her being, um, you know, a student, was it hard to save for the down payment for your house? Did you guys use a first time home buyers uh, program in your state? Like, how, did that, how did that work for, in terms of the down payment and the closing costs for your house? Sure. So we had saved up a lot. Um, and my dad, again, who was very heavy on you know us getting into real estate to build a generational wealth, he agreed to give us a discounted early inheritance to help with the down payment on the house we live in. <laughs> so that helped. And uh, we also just saved a lot of money. Um, my wife had, and uh, me being in grad school as well, we, we knew how to live on a budget. So even as we got you know, dual income, we tried to live below our means and save extra money. Uh, so even when you guys were making no money, you guys were still saving. Yes. Um, I guess let me clarify. I was working for three years in D.C. for the government while my yeah. wife was getting a Ph.D. So I was able to save up a little bit more money um, at that time. And I wasn't quite living below my means. But after we agreed to buy a house wherever we ended up together, which was in Pennsylvania, we saved, we were able to save a lot more money. I, I was kind of living this the a bachelor life because we were separated. So I was, you know, eating out every night, going to brunches and happy <laughs> hours uh, during my first three years in D.C. while she was in Massachusetts. Got you. Okay. So, and did you did you guys qualify for a first time home buyers program or anything like that in your state? We we did. We had to. We weren't able. We didn't have to put the full twenty percent down. Um, we did. You know, of course, have to pay uh, PMI. Um, yeah. Because we didn't get the full twenty percent, but then I think that two years later we refinanced uh, to get a lower interest rate. So I think our rate was two point five percent now. What What did the program provide you? Because I know. Um, this girl I used to date, I remember she bought her first house in Richmond on, during the pandemic. And I, I think in Virginia, <clears throat> if I remember correctly, the program basically paid for her down payment um, and a separate loan that she paid outside of the mortgage, I think, something like that. And the seller paid for her closing costs. Did you guys have any, was the program kind of a sweet deal kind of like that? Or just what, like, what was the program, Do you, if, you, if you even remember? <laughs> I've heard since of a lot better programs. Ours was pretty much we were able to pay less than 20% down payment. And I think we got $2,000 towards closing. So it wasn't this, it wasn't a sweet deal. It was oh, okay. So she made out better than you guys. 20. Yes. Your your friend definitely had a sweet deal. <laughs> Ours was, you know, you don't have to pay 20% down. So I'm curious. So you guys, well, actually, you guys refinance. Let's, I would like to talk about that. So. What year did you guys refinance? I believe it was 2021. So what did you, do you remember the rate that you guys currently have on your house? The original rate was probably around 5% mm -hmm. um, at, at the time when we first bought in 2019. And then, yeah. you know, right at the beginning of the pandemic, rates started going down. And I saw that rate had hit, uh, I think, 
like almost two and a half percent or two percent in some cases. And I was doing the math with my wife and, and realized how much money we could save by not paying that amount of interest every month. <laughs> so we napkin math is good a, math. Absolutely. So we, we sent out a few bids to see you know what rates we could get, and ironically, our same provider had the best rate for us, 2.5%. So we refinanced. That is amazing. That is beautiful. Right now we're at 7, 8% at market rate. How much did that save you guys per month? That saved us, I want to say, two to 300 per month. Wow. So I'm curious, with the two to $300 that you guys are saving every month now for like the last couple Mm -hmm. years, did you guys, are you guys spending it? Are you saving? Did you guys do anything in particular with uh, the money that you're saving? We kept our payments the same. So now that yeah. just goes to principal only. So now instead of a 30-year mortgage, we're scheduled to pay it off, I think, in less than 15 years. Wow, that's amazing. So the one thing I want to explain to people is, you know, just because you get a mortgage, which is the vehicle, how, you per- how most people purchase, you know, it's the loan and how you purchase your vehicle refinancing is so important because you know you're not just because you get a loan on your 30-year fixed mortgage house does not mean you have to keep it and during the pandemic as i'm sure as many of you guys remember or if you don't even know interest rates were stupid low and you know there's people who the reason why a lot of people won't sell their houses right now why i think why inventory is so low is because interest rates are you know some people locked in their mortgage at two and a quarter well if you're going to move why would you leave two and a quarter to pay, go pay five or 6%? I mean, that's, it's kind of an easy no brainer, but the one thing that I, you know, I, I would stress to people is, you know, if, you know, interest rates do go down or, you know, something like Martin, who had an opportunity to go from a 5% to two and a quarter, you know, that's going to save you two, two or $300. And basically all that means is you're switching from one mortgage to another. And people do that for all types of reasons. Uh, if you're flipping a house, it's because, you know, your flip is a, temporary mortgage that's usually could be 12 months it could be 24 months versus you know a, a fixed 30-year loan is for 30 years but you know if you can get interest going from interest rates going from five percent to two and a quarter you'll take advantage of that to save right. what, what me and my friend like to affectionately call moon ieo um so you know secure the bag at all t- at all costs so um <laughs> <laughs> no but um and you know i think what's another important thing is what made you and your wife decide that you guys want to pay off your mortgage in 15 years? We are avid fans of the uh, financially free, retire early, uh, or financially independent, I should say, the fire mentality. So whatever we can do to have our real estate income exceed our expenses. So in you know 15 years we want to not have a mortgage on our primary residence we want enough real estate income to be able to retire if we want to now we both enjoy our job so we can keep working as long as we want to but we don't want to be you know forced to have to work until you know we're 62 and a half or 67. no i love that because um I don't know. Have you seen those commercials where there's the old people being like don't be you don't be me or something like that in the future have you seen that commercial that sounds familiar. Oh, I love that commercial. I probably should I'll link to it at the end of this. But basically, <laughs> that's do. the point of the commercial. But um, I, I think one of my my questions is is that was that something? When did was that very intentional when you guys got married, or is this something that you guys newly discovered in twenty twenty three? You're like, you know, let's be more financially prudent. 
It was always a goal of ours, but it wasn't until after we got married and got into a rhythm in selling to our city that we were like, yes, Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, which is where we are, is uh, a perfect city for us. It's close enough to our families. The housing prices are less than D.C. And pretty comparable with North Carolina, <laughs> I'd say. Um, so this is a great place for us to grow up, have a family, and to start our real estate, hopefully one day in Byron. So I know that you guys have, you know, you refinanced your house and I know that you have another investment property. I want to say it's a multifamily, right? It's just a duplex. Yes. Tell me about the process when you and your wife started having that conversation. Like, honey, let's go buy a duplex. Like how did, as opposed to a single family, how did you guys come to the conclusion that, hey, a duplex is for us? Um, sure. So when we started, knew we want to get into real estate. We've, we've been doing our, our research and due diligence. Um, I will say I was very afraid of having analysis paralysis. So as soon as we knew <laughs> what we wanted to do, um, before we did too much research, we created an LLC and got a business account for that LLC because, you know, actually paying the annual franchise fees for an LLC, that would encourage us to not just sit on it because you're throwing away money and it's not making you money. So that's one thing we did. And then we started our research and listening to different podcasts. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have the grants of your podcast at the time. <laughs> so we, we found some others uh, in some books. Uh, and um, multifamily stuck out to me because if you have a single family and it's vacant, then it's, it's vacant. With a multifamily, you know, hopefully you have one occupied and if one is vacant, then at least you, you're making some money. Um, some of your investment back every every month. So that's one of the reasons that multifamily stuck out in our mind. Um, and uh, also as far as like, you know, paying someone to you know shovel or do lawn care is essentially one roof, one yard. So kind of help minimize expenses for the productions. How much did you guys buy your duplex for? We purchased it for $132,000. I'm envious. And where you guys are located, how much, <laughs> I'm so envious. My, my heart, I heard that. Oh man. Come on to Pittsburgh. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm putting in that transfer tomorrow, man. man. So, yes. It, it's, um, a du it's an up down duplex. Each unit is three bed, one bath. Wow. Um, at the time when unit was occupied and the top unit was vacant, but, uh, recently renovated. So it was moving. Right nice. Forward. And. And how much do you guys rent the room, your each unit for? Um, at the time, the occupied unit was about 800 a month. And the seller at the time was advertising the, the top unit that was vacant as being also $800. We did our research in the area and, and market rates. And uh, since then, have raised the price. So now they're 1350 each unit, which is the market rate for three beds. That so, is beautiful. <laughs> essentially, the 2% rule. <laughs> Can you can you kind of explain to me the importance of doing your research like that, where if you and your wife had been lazy and didn't realize that there was a huge, huge gap in the market right there, um, why is that important? And what made you guys actually do research? Because you, if the other guys were into 800, you guys could have done the same thing and not even thought about it. But how did you know to go research? 
I was actually more worried of the other end when you know sellers are trying to put give you their pro forma and they overestimate what you can get as the <laughs> rent and they underestimate the expenses and taxes. That's why I did my due diligence because I've seen some where they say, "Oh, this house will uh, rent out for three thousand dollars," and you know it's half of that. So um, I, I do know some investors who've gotten bitten by trusting what the seller is telling them. So I, you know. Working for the government, being an engineer, I've always done my own research <laughs> on analysis. Um, it's it's uh, what's my motto? Trust but verify. <laughs> yeah, but listen, I feel you. The inner dork in us is going. I, I feel a disturbance in the force. I must, <laughs> I must research. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we looked at market rates in the area. There's definitely free rent analysis tools out there to look at, in addition to just going on Zillow or some other marketplace. Did you guys use an analysis tool outside of Zillow? What what did you guys use? Or was it just common sense as you were looking through Zillow or Realtor.com or something like that? Um, it was a combination of Zillow and uh, Rentometer. Um, is What's, I don't think I've ever heard of Rentometer. Can you explain to me what that is? Sure. Rentometer, um, R-E-N-T-O-M-E-T-E-R.com, I believe. Um, you go to that website, you put in your the address that you're uh, questioning. And, you know, how many beds it is, how many baths, and it'll pull up, you know, homes in a certain radius and tell you what the median price is, what the low and max is of those houses that are listed online for similar prices. How did you guys finance it? Um, that one is we paid cash for, at least on paper. So we, again, we're, we're saving up money. Um, I took an early withdrawal from retirement to pay part of it um and then at, at closing we were able to write or at least wire the full amount uh, so there's no mortgage on that one wow so you and your your wife are like super savers y'all be saving like nobody's business and that's amazing kudos to you guys thank you so what do you guys do with the you know outside taxes and insurance what do y'all do with the 2600 every month so with that, we're you know paying back the early retirement withdrawal, and um, once we're fully caught up with that, uh, that money you know it goes into our business account. You know, what we also we had to do a renovation um, a few years ago, which I'll get into later. No, well, we're, we're going to get into that. Don't worry about. It. We're going to get into that. <laughs> we'll get because I think that. that's really um, important about that. So yeah, keep going. Yeah, uh, sure. So uh, right now it goes into our business account. We're, we're paying back. Uh, some of the money we we spent to purchase that, and luckily we're able to obtain a line of credit because there's no lien, there's no mortgage on the duplex. We were able to obtain a line of credit for the full amount, uh, so a line of credit for one hundred thirty thousand uh, dollars. Like from your, you mean you took a line of credit from your duplex, or are you talking about from your retirement account? From the duplex. To do, so and what did you do, what did you do with that? Where did you get the line of credit to? to uh would you purchase with the line of credit well we were closing uh in a few weeks in february uh on a triplex also in our area oh you didn't tell me that bro okay uh that came into fruition recently <laughs> congratulations so okay thank you this is this is one of those real treats when someone gives you more goodies than you knew that you're about to get and it's your birthday <laughs> and today it's, is, like Halloween. it's not my birthday but it feels like my birthday <laughs> right exactly so you so, so first tell me this. 
you said you bought the house for I think you said like one hundred twenty thousand or something Th- like that, right? One hundred thirty-two. So when you got the uh, the line of credit, did you uh, did they have to do an appraisal on the ho- on the home? Yes. Wonderful. So uh, the two questions I have because I know people are going to be curious about this. What bank did you? What institution did you use for your uh, home equity? Uh, the home equity. I'm sorry, the line of credit. Uh, so I'm part of a real estate group, uh, real estate investment association in Western Pennsylvania. And uh, what I love about the group is everyone, you know, asks their own questions. Who's a good property manager? Who's a good bank for this? So I reached out to a couple of different banks, and there's a local bank in Pennsylvania called In First Bank who were able to do a line of credit against a non-owner occupied property um, and do it in the name of a business as opposed to in my name. Wonderful. And how was the, what kind of information did they request when you, once you hit the bank up and said, Hey, I want a line of credit. What, what was that process like? What did they ask you for? Sure. So actually, initially I was asking for a home equity line of credit. Um, Cause like I wanted to pull the full equity out. Um, and then the, the, the lender that I spoke with, said, you know, you can actually just get a line of credit and that way there's no term on it. With the home equity line of credit, usually I think you have 10 years to draw down on it and then another 10 to 20 years to pay it off versus this line of credit just opening it whenever I pay it back, keep using it. Um, so the documents they required, um, because our LLC is relatively new, myself and my wife are the personal guarantors. So we did have to provide, you know, some tax documents, proof of income. Um, that sort of thing, since we're personally guaranteeing it, but the collateral is that duplex. Wow. And how much did your du- uh, duplex, how much did it appraise for? Um, we paid 132 It appraised for $191,000. Oh! I'm in oh. the same place. <laughs> I was happily surprised with that. Um, and then, of course, the line of credit was for, I think, about 70% of the appraisal price. Okay, first of all, I have to commend you guys again. I feel like this is just becoming a a bro, a, a bro fest because y'all are just speaking <laughs> all the good things to my soul because y'all are just doing so many good things and I and I and I love that. So, you guys get the line of credit. How much is the So walk me through the the details of the triplex. Sure. So we have been, you know, looking for the past year for another multifamily to to use the line of credit to purchase and we would look at five units and all these different things, but my, my wife and I are playing it safe. I mean, I'm kind of using the birth strategy, buy, rehab, refinance, repeat, but we're, we're doing it slow because we know some folks end up over leveraging um, and we don't want to have to file bankruptcy or anything like that. So we're, we're going slow and steady. Um, definitely try not to over leverage. We want to be at the point to where even if, let's say all of our units are vacant, we can, for a couple months at least, pay out of pocket and not, you know, go into the red. Um, so this triplex we found, um, it's right above the college part of town. So it's probably open. Maybe some grad students will will be there. Um, one unit is two bed, two bath. The next unit is three bed, two bath, and the third unit is four bed, three bath. So How much are you guys buying it for? They're they're all side by side. We are purchasing it for two hundred seventy thousand dollars, and that one appraised for three hundred. So y'all so, walking in with like fifty k in equity. Yes, our 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 plan is to um, down the line refinance for that amount, 
and pull our equity out to pay back whatever's left on the line of credit and then use the line of credit again for the next next round. Are each of the how much are you renting the units for? For the triplex? Yeah. Okay. Um right now, again, we haven't purchased it yet. We're purchasing it next month. Um two units yeah. are occupied. Uh one is for eight hundred dollars. The uh the next unit is for seven hundred ninety dollars, so almost eight hundred dollars. And the third unit, which is a four bedroom, three bath, is unoccupied. My market analysis is saying, you know, seventeen hundred to two thousand dollars for that. Are you guys going to have to do any rehabs to the uh, the triplex? Uh, any rehabs will be after the two occupied units are moved out, um, but the vacant unit is moving ready. Oh, it's moving ready. So that means you're telling me it should bring in somewhere in the neighborhood of what, uh, so, uh, like 3,300, 3,400, somewhere, something like that? Correct. And how, how much did you can... go ahead? Go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, I would say essentially the two smaller units should pay off the mortgage, give or take a hundred dollars, and then the the four bedroom unit should be uh, all in the green to you know pay back the line of credit, pay wow. you know other things. We initially thought about doing Airbnb uh, mm-hmm. short term rentals and that sort of thing. However, um, we have a kid being born this spring. Congratulations on that. I I appreciate that. So I'm not going to have the time to coordinate all the stuff. So we're like, you know, we just go long term uh, rental and have it be more hands off. Side note, I'm going to do a shout out to my guy, uh, Mr. Green. My last, I just posted the uh, podcast with uh, an investor and realtor in Richmond. And in my podcast, we literally cover how to automate your we literally cover how to automate your Airbnb. So if you do decide, you can actually listen to that episode and he actually covers how to do it, autom- uh, um, how to do it, kind of automate your services. And I can always connect you guys, obviously, if you'd like. So, okay. wow, that's fantastic. First of all, I'm really impressed with myself <laughs> that I covered that in a lesson last week. So kudos to me for that. <laughs> nice <work>. So <laughs> I had to plug myself on my own show, obviously. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. How did you guys, so when you guys started going through the, well, I think actually before I ask the question, you know what I, I appreciate about what you're telling me, the importance of education and real estate, because notice that you guys, when you guys were initially looking, you guys were going to do something opposite of a home line of credit. And you guys literally backed into that by asking the right questions and talking to the professionals that gave you a, a smarter and easier and better way to purchase your next property. And then you're already setting yourself up because you did everything the right end on the front end and you're doing anything and you did the things right by saving and making those solid decisions in the beginning, you're able to back it. You'll be able to back in to a fourth property uh, whenever you guys are, whenever the time is right for you guys and your family. So I absolutely love that part. So I guess my question is, can you kind of explain to the audience what the Burr method is? Because you guys are basically doing that. Just like you said, kind of on a slow burn kind of in a way, but it's still what you're basically doing. <laughs> sure. So the, the Burr method is a process mindset of being able to reuse the same money to purchase multiple uh, rental properties back to back, again, using the same money. So what you do is you buy one property um, under market rate, you fix it up. Um, 
that you know as affordably but as nicely as you can you rent it out you refinance it because the money and repairs that you did to it will raise the appraisal value and then when you the refinance the cash out refinance will give you enough money back if you do it correctly to pay off the initial money that you put into it, your initial down payment plus the repairs uh, and then you would use that same money to buy another property which is the repeat part so it's buy rehab refinance repeat can you explain to me this because i i love what you and your wife are doing can you explain can you kind of add in the importance of you guys living below your means, kind of using, because you mentioned the FIRE um, method. Can you mm-hmm. explain how living below your means and saving in the way that you guys are saving helped you guys make these solid decisions and is actually helping you buy more real estate and like the role that's playing? Absolutely. So I'll start with our inspiration. My, my wife and I love to travel. Um, 2023 was our most traveled year. Ironically, this next year will be our most static year because the, the baby. <laughs> but we, we love to travel, and our inspiration is to be able to travel when we want to, not wait. Because we know a lot of people, especially the older generation, who would work hard for you know sixty years, and then when they're older, then they travel. And at that time, you're not able to fully enjoy being on the beach because maybe you can't stand the sun that long. You're maybe not as mobile as you were in your younger years. So our inspiration is to be able to travel and take our kids on trips. So, you know, as they're studying, let's say Mount Rushmore in school, being able to take them there on a road trip. Um, so we're we're sacrificing now, living below our means. You know, maybe we're not being able to go on, you know, to a an opera or something with some of our, our local colleagues, or go out to a fancy dinner uh, once a week. But we're trying to live below our means to be able to. Again, for purchasing properties as repairs come up, if the business for some reason can't afford to make those repairs, we can pay out of pocket and then pay ourselves back on the line from the business. But uh, right now we're sacrificing, uh, you know, doing fancy, enjoyable things now. Obviously, we don't have fun, but we're, we're cutting back in order to be able to, you know, ha- have a early retirement and to be able to enjoy life. Did I answer all your questions? I feel like you had three parts. No, to you did, and I think no. I thought that was perfect. I mean, the the thing that I I want people to understand is that there is a path to financial freedom. There is a path to owning real estate. You know, when I lived in L.A., I would talk to people, and they'd say, "Oh, I'll never own a house. Oh, I'll never be financially free." And you know, what I the the imprint I'm trying to impress on people is there is a way. Just a matter of what are you willing to do for it. And it's and the thing about it is it's not like you and your wife are living below the poverty. Listen, I know what you make because I know what I make. <laughs> we work for the we work for the same agency, so I know. <laughs> and you know it, it's funny because there's some agency bureaucrats who live in more expensive areas but can't save anything because they live in L.A. But living in the great state of Pennsylvania, you can make slightly less money than our than our bureaucratic coworkers in New York or any of those other states, but we can have triple the value because we're making really good money. And plus you're a dual, you know, you're a dual income household, but you can also live below your means by living in an affordable city. And that's a personal choice. But then it's not just living in an affordable city. It's okay. I'm making really good money. I'm living in an affordable city. Now with that opportunity that I do have, 
how do I multiply that and continue to invest those funds? And I think that's really, really important for people to understand because most people don't know what to do. So hopefully people will listen to this and go, oh, I'm a bureaucrat too for the government. I can do that because for a lot of agency people, it's just as simple as putting in a transfer. That simple to a play, to a more affordable area. So now that you and your wife are about to close on your third property, what what do you guys have planned going forward? Like, uh, how long do you guys think you're going to keep the house before you do the same thing to get house number four? Sure. Um, our initial goal was about one a year. Uh, it's turned out being one every two years. Um, for for two reasons, one, my uh, one of my dad's mottos is always, you know, don't fall in love with you know the property, fall in love with the price, um, and uh, I like your dad. That's funny. <laughs> he he's very uh, uh, practical, very pragmatic, but um, we just haven't hadn't haven't seen one that came up in the area that we wanted. And I will admit that, you know, a few months ago, got to the point to where I was willing to sacrifice what I said I wanted to go to an area that wasn't quite, uh, you know, it's more of a C and D class neighborhood versus an A or B that we try to strive for, um, just because I wasn't seeing the properties that I wanted in our area, in our price range. Um, but luckily, my wife and I had a chat and we realized, again, we want our business, when people see our name as owning a property, to you know have a certain brand with it and we also don't want to over leverage and you know buy more property than cheaper here <laughs> yeah uh, uh, we we almost try to go in a different way but we decided to stick to our values and just wait it out and luckily this triplex came along um and i guess going back to some of the due diligence that you were talking about earlier the triplex and so, sometimes you see a property and it's listed wrong by the selling agent so the triplex was listed as a four bed, three bath, single family home. When I clicked, I can't remember why I clicked on it, but in Zillow, I, I was reading through it. I, I did some um, uh, county record search and realized that one, the biggest unit is four bed, three bath. It's really four, five, six, seven, nine, nine bed, uh, seven bath, I believe. Um, so it was listed wrong. Um, it's been on the market for, I think, six months. So wait, it wasn't even listed as a multifamily? Listed as a single family. That dude should have fired, whoever that was should have fired the realtor immediately. Oh my gosh. And they let y'all get away with murder. Hopefully this episode doesn't post till after we purchase it. <laughs> well, listen, you're under contract. They can't do anything about it today, but can I, I, I have to interrupt you to say this point. It's so funny. In my, first, in my first episode with Robert Grooms, we literally talk about in the first episode, and I love that we're backing into knowledge from previous episodes. Um, we what we talk about is taking advantage of mistakes, taking advantage of opportunities where there's gaps in the market, or maybe the the seller is under a crunch, or the seller is inept. That's really where the opportunities to make money. The fact that a the realtor for forgot or didn't know who cares did not list it as a triplex because there are lots of people who are a lot richer than. Mr. Martin and Dr. Martin, who could have, you know, who've seen that would have said, I'll pay it at that price. I'll pay an extra $10,000 that, you know, potentially. But when no one knows what that is and they're like, I don't want that. You know, we think it's a single family house and you're an investor. You're like, I don't want that. It's not doing anything for me. Right. I mean, if the house, particularly when you don't know the house is collecting $3,300 per month and the mortgage is, let's say two grand or whatever that number is, 
well, yeah, well, yeah, I'll take that. And then two, you walked in with $50,000 in equity. That speaks to the first mistake and two, being underpriced. But those two, those two things go hand in hand. So, you know, what I love about what you guys are doing is you're taking advantage of those mistakes. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Excellent. I love that. And then there was one more thing I wanted to ask you. With you being, is this your first kid? Yes. Well, we had foster kids previously, but our first biological kid. So with this being basically being a first time father, you know, in the traditional sense, with all these great lessons that you're learning, how do you plan to teach, you know, your future offspring about real estate? Because the one thing, and I ask this because something that's not very prevalent, you know, in, uh, in the black community is wealth creation, a typically passing down wealth, which thankfully your dad was very nice to help, you know, give you guys to help kind of spring you and your wife a little forward in giving you knowledge, which is very atypical within our community. How do you plan on pushing that ball forward with, you know, your future kids? Uh, When I was a youth, I said I would never do this, but I'm actually going to take a page from my dad's book and have have our children changing toilets with me and painting walls (laughs) and all that. Um, but in addition to that, you know, showing them as they get older, some of the day to day, because I didn't, I saw my dad, you know, I was in the cars, he'd go by, pick up cash from the tenants. Um, but I didn't understand or fully um, appreciate the, the bookkeeping and the behind the scenes portion of it, just what I was physically doing. So I, I did want to expose our kids to kind of the behind the scenes. And my goal, Derwin, is that when they go into college, we're able to purchase them a property and the income from that property they can use to pay their expenses and then as they graduate they can either keep it sell it move into it but kind of an early inheritance for them is a property that you know will pay for their college pay for their expenses and then when they graduate it's their graduation gift to do with what they want so that's how i hope to get them exposed to it and continue generational wealth thank you for that you know what there's two things i forgot i realized i did not cover with you I remember when we were in Cleveland, you were telling me that your duplex had a leak in it and there was water everywhere. Can you just tell me about, because a lot of times when I talk to people, they say, I can't do real estate. What if there's a leak? What if something happens? What if everything blows up? Oh my gosh. Well, that happened to you. Can you tell us, A, what happened? Then two, how did you handle it? And what was it like working with getting a contractor and working with uh, the, the insurance company? I would love to tell you about it, Derwin. However, we don't like to talk about the dark days. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just uh, kidding. My my wife did. She wanted me to to correct it. I always say it's a leak. It's technically that's what it is, but she she calls it a geyser, a flood, <laughs> that that sort of thing. So this was around Christmas of 2022. Um, we had the original inherited tenants had moved out. We did a full um, refresher on it, so brand new flooring, new paint on the walls, um, and finally around November, December, it was ready to rent out. We're going to put it on the market uh, January first, and then the week of Christmas, I was there. I was there the day before, um, taking some pictures for the listing, and I went there the next day because I forgot a picture of I think the basement. And when I walked in. Uh, 
it there was water coming from the wall in the kitchen um and it it, it was cold because we had the heater fixed but i guess the outdoor temperatures were so cold uh some some of the pipes had fro frozen so i pulled open the wall I realized, which I didn't know before, that the water meter was inside the wall behind the kitchen, and the leak was right before the meter. So on the bright side, we weren't charged for all that water. It's actually one of our little water bills, <laughs> um, because it was before the meter. Um, uh, the downside was, because it was before the meter, um, I didn't have the tools to cap or fix that. Um, Pittsburgh houses, you know, back from still steel times are usually over a hundred years old. Same case with this duplex. It's an old house with um older copper piping. I don't know if it's original or not. But we um I called the water company to fix the meter because they're they're required to come out for that. So they, they came out a few hours later. I called an emergency plumbing company. Uh, at this time, though, all Pittsburgh houses are older, have same issues. They were all backed up. Um, I think they required, if you wanted them to come right then and there, you had to pay an extra, I think, $200 as a flat emergency fee. Um, so I did that. They were able to turn it off. Um, it, it did take, I think, four hours for them to come out. So I, I was going there every hour with, you know, to empty out the bucket, throw it outside, put it back under there. It's freezing water. So I was, you know, over here shivering. Um, called insurance, got our insurance involved because um, I, mean, I, I paid for a higher rate special insurance or special dwelling coverage. So it'll cover everything except certain listed perils. Um, and so they they started, you know, doing their paperwork. Um, in the meantime, before they even gave us approval, um, we had a local plumbing company come out. They fixed the repair in the wall. They turned the water back on after the meter was replaced. And immediately water started coming out the ceiling. So the wall part was fixed. Water came out the ceiling in the kitchen. He tore open the wall, found it, fixed that part. Another uh, in the living room ceiling, another leak came. So after the seventh version of that, I, we looked. me and him looked at it at the same time and said, you know what? Let's just replace all the accessible piping here. Because <laughs> at that point, there were seven of those individual uh leaks um that's already i think we're probably at two or five thousand dollars in individual repairs it was, it was two thousand at that time and he said it was going to be about five thousand to just replace all the pipe all the copper pipes in that home with you know pex material and more of a plastic and pvc like material so that uh was one thing the downsides with our insurance we had to pay the overhaul that $5,000 replacement because that's an upgrade. So that, that was out of pocket or out of the business account. But the individual repairs, that first 2000 of individual repairs insurance covered. Um, the other downside to it is because they had to tear open ceilings and walls and flooring because the pipes it went under the floor as well and the water, I'm sorry, the water dripped down into the floor. So our brand new uh, laminate vinyl plank flooring that was installed the month before had, you know, kind of, it, it got warped and jacked up in some places. Um, luckily, our insurance covered everything or covered a replacement of it. They initially offered me $19,000 and I'd have to find a contractor and do repairs. And in getting some bids, I realized $19,000 was not going to cover it. 
I talked to my insurance and they said, oh, we have a program with a partner. So if we find you an insurance or a contractor, we'll pay them directly and they'll pay the full amount minus the deductible. So my insurance found uh, a wonderful company here who had, I think, 4.9 stars. Um, they did a fantastic job. And we had uh, our second set of brand new flooring. They replaced all the tore out walls and ceilings. Um, that ended up costing $28,000 in just those repairs and our insurance paid it all minus our deductible. Wow. So I've already made an executive decision for myself. I'm going to look in Pittsburgh and I'm going to ask you questions. Um, once I'm done with, my, done with my two flips, I'm definitely going to buy in Pittsburgh and I'm going to be like, bro, how is this neighborhood? Please Give do. me the outline. Out so, because I'm telling you, because I, I looked after we had our conversation and I was mesmerized how affordable multifamilies were in Pittsburgh. So it is on my, uh, it's on my list. So once I finish my two flips, listen, I might make a, do a weekend trip and we might have to go explore and look at houses because I can see myself buying a 10 unit building in, uh, in the big city. Hey, we would love to have you. And, um, yeah, down the line, we'll, we're hoping to like kind of scale up. So each, each property we're hoping is bigger than the last one. So, um, hopefully the next, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll work out all the, I'll work out all the kinks for you. I'll, I'll, I'll just go big. And if it blows up my face, it's totally fine. And then I'll just it's borrow totally money fine. from you and your wife with your fire mentality. Be like, listen, Martin, I know you got it. So help me out. <laughs> All right. We'll talk offline about that. Yeah, no, thank you so much, man. I, I, I honestly, I, I, I really appreciate you uh, sharing all of your knowledge and the good, the bad and the ugly, but also the, the wins. I think that's really important to share with people so they understand that there is a path to win in real estate, even if you're not. Bill Gates. Um, we've Absolutely. got the man, the legend, the greatest bureaucrat this side of the Mississippi, soon to be father, husband. I mean, doing all the things. I love it. Mr. <laughs> Martin Blow, thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today on this episode of the Very Good Real Estate Podcast. We look forward to growing with you on the next episode.